from sunny California. I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Honoring Defenders of Life, we take you inside Live Action's third annual Life Awards Gala, honoring outspoken defenders of preborn children. Lila Rose, president and founder of Live Action, joins us with the details of the event and her recent encounter with Dr. Phil. Abortion Report. Planned Parenthood releases its annual report revealing just how much they prioritize abortion and fail to provide real health care, as they claim. Dr. Michael New, who has analyzed decades worth of Planned Parenthood data, joins us for analysis. Walking with California Moms. Megan Morris, director of Life Center of Santa Ana, shares how the Pro-Life Pregnancy Center in Orange County has helped mothers in need and how they work to promote a culture of life. Hundreds of people gathered here in Southern California last week to attend Live Action's third annual Life Awards Gala. Three honored guests received awards in recognition of their work to save defenseless babies. Each one in their own way has found courage to face opposition and adversity. We had the privilege of speaking with two of the awardees and the featured speaker of the night, who told us more about how they've dedicated their lives and resources to speaking the truth and protecting life. <laughs> So, yeah, when I met the first baby, yeah, I was so shocked and I was so moved and I was gone mad for the uh, hard situation. Yeah. Think about the yeah, parents and think about the social background. And so I pray to God and I, I believe that yeah, God uh, gave me a kind of a, a mission to do. Pastor Lee John Rock is the founder of a ministry in South Korea that is designed to give mothers an option besides abortion. Instead, they can now leave their newborn baby anonymously in a climate-controlled baby box. This ingenious idea has been transformed into a lifelong mission and has saved more than 1,500 babies to date. When asked what this award means to him, Pastor Lee humbly shared that he didn't take receiving it lightly. And I was, wonder, I was wondering if I am deserve it. So I hesitated a little moment to say yes. Meanwhile, Mississippi's Attorney General Lynn Fitch received a standing ovation when honored with her Life Award. So it truly means so very much to me, but you know, to accept this award, not only for myself, but for my entire team. And now that we've um, changed the narrative in American history, this is a new chapter. So certainly there's been a lot going on, the preparations as we got through, the, the decision on the Dobbs case, the things that we had to do in court in our particular state with the trigger law, and uh, I wrote an opinion, and then we moved forward, and it all became law. Um, certainly the excitement um, being a part of not only my state, but other states in the celebration for life. Featured speaker Michael Knowles also sat down with us to share his support for live action. From the stage, he said that live action's Lila Rose is, quote, the most persuasive person for the pro-life cause. It is always uh, the first organization Come tax time, you know, New Year's Eve, we're figuring out what to donate to. Truly, it's the first organization we donate to. Uh, we just absolutely adore the organization. So it could even get me to leave my six-week-old little baby. We also sat down with the president of Live Action, Lila Rose. This is what she told us. 
We're here with Lila Rose, the founder of Live Action. Thank you so much for being here with me. Just describe this moment for me, Lila. You know, you have been saving lives under the thumb of Roe since you were very young. And now we're here celebrating the third annual Live Action Awards Gala. So what's going through your head right now? It's, uh, there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of joy, there's so much to celebrate. I mean, we have so many heroes in the room tonight and we're honoring, of course, three special life awardees. But there's also the message of our work is just getting started in many ways. We have so much left to do in our movement. So while we take a pause to celebrate, we're also making the battle plan for the work ahead to change hearts and minds, to shift pu public opinion, and to establish legal protection for preborn children in every state in the country. Yes, and speaking of legal protection, Senator Graham just introduced a 15-week limit on abortion on the federal level. Now, most people don't know that legislation like that really only stops about 6% of abortions in the United States. I'm curious to know what Live Action's stance is on what the federal legislation should be that's being presented right now with Roe overturned. So we're urging complete legal protection for preborn children wherever it's possible. And I think at the federal level, it is possible and it could be possible within just the next few years. Right. You know, we're hitting a midterm. We're going to have another president in office, you know, uh, Lord willing, soon. And we can establish complete legal protection at the federal level. So I think wherever there's the opportunity, we have to seize it because lives, the lives of innocent children are on the line and we have the responsibility to protect them with bold, decisive action. Lila, I also just briefly wanted to ask you about your Dr. Phil interview. You know, the deck was really stacked against you there, but you were able to refute a lot of false accusations with with facts. Could you tell me about that? Well, I think the first thought that I have to respond to that is they didn't really, uh, Dr. Phil seemed blindsided and many members of his audience by pro-life facts, facts about human development, the science of when life begins, by facts about the harm of abortion. It's as if they weren't prepared for facts. And I think that's a message for any pro-life advocate today in, the, in our media environment or in our communities. People need to hear these facts. They, they've been given misinformation or there's ignorance about abortion, about its harm, and so we should be prepared to share the facts. And it blindsides our opponents because they can't respond except with more misinformation. And it's really winsome uh, when people hear that. That gives them an opportunity to see the humanity of the baby, to learn about the, the evil of abortion, to have a vision for something better. You know, women deserve better than abortion. So I think, you know, be prepared with your with the facts that our movement has and, and be bold in sharing them. Yes. Well, Lila, I hope you enjoy this beautiful evening. Thank you for bringing us all Thank here together. You. And God bless you and your work. We're Thank praying you. for you. We're ya. big fans of EWTN. Thank you so much. Thank you. Planned Parenthood has released their annual death report, and it's not pretty. Unsurprisingly, abortions made up a whopping 96.6% of Planned Parenthood's so-called pregnancy resolution services. The report also revealed that the entire abortion regime in Washington has amped up their efforts to use your money to kill babies. In the form of grants, contracts, and Medicaid reimbursements, Planned Parenthood has received $633.4 million in taxpayer funds. That's over $1.7 $7 million a day. We're joined now by Dr. Michael New, Associate Scholar with the Charlotte Lozier Institute and Research Associate at Catholic University of America. Dr. New has analyzed troves of Planned Parenthood data over the years. Thanks for joining me, Dr. New. Planned Parenthood's report is extensive. What were the data points that really struck out to you? I mean, the main data point that struck out to me was the fact that Planned Parenthood does more and more abortions every year. Uh, this report indicated that in 2021, they did over 380,000 abortions. That is an 8.1% increase uh, from 2020. They do about 40% of all the abortions performed in the United States. 
And for every uh, adoption referral, they do over 200 abortions. So it really shows that abortion is their main business. And what are your thoughts on how this report exposes how much our very own federal government is cooperating with Planned Parenthood? Sure, as you mentioned, uh, we as taxpayers uh, provide Planned Parenthood with over $633 million in taxpayer funding. Uh, that was a, over a 2% increase uh, from the previous year. So it really shows that uh, they're just more and more aggressive about getting more and more taxpayer dollars. And sadly, it's only gonna get worse. Uh, one of the first things that the Biden administration did was repeal the Trump administration's Protect Life rule. And that means that Planned Parenthood will be now eligible for Title X grants. So in the future, we can look forward to Planned Parenthood getting more and more of our hard-earned taxpayer dollars. And Dr. New, what do you make of the fact that the number of patients at Planned Parenthood decreased by about 240,000, but the number of abortions has increased to the highest rate ever reported by the business? Well, not only did uh, patients decrease, but health services decreased. Uh, since 2020, uh, STI tests fell by 17.3%. Cancer screenings fell by more than 30%. Well woman exams fell by 39%. And pregnancy tests fell by more than 14%. So Planned Parenthood does more and more abortions every year and provides fewer and fewer health services. Yeah, and speaking of the so-called health services that they provide, I want to dig into that a little more. Planned Parenthood claims they're not just about abortion and that they provide this host of other services, such as adoption referrals, as you mentioned. But what do the numbers in this report actually say? Well, Planned Parenthood can say what they want, but, you know, they're entitled to their opinion, uh, but they're not entitled to their own facts. And we look at the long-term trends, Planned Parenthood does more and more abortions and provides fewer and fewer health care services. If you go back to 2001, uh, since that time, abortions have gone up at Planned Parenthood by 80%, and prenatal services have gone down by more than 40%. So it's really clear that abortion is their main priority. Well, we're grateful that you're crunching the numbers and continuing to track the data on this. Dr. Michael New of the Charlotte Lozier Institute, thanks for joining us today. No, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Weeks before a pivotal midterm election, Pennsylvanians held their annual statewide March for Life. The event was organized by the national group March for Life and local pro-life leaders. Local reporters called it the largest gathering of people they've seen at the state capitol in recent history, with several thousands in attendance. The midterms in Pennsylvania will be crucial in determining how the fall of Roe will mobilize voters. Will we see higher turnout on the pro-life or pro-abortion side? Democrat candidates for governor and Senate Josh Shapiro and John Fetterman don't support a single limit on abortion and would make Pennsylvania as extreme as New York and California if given a shred of power. Joining me now to share with us how the Pennsylvania March went is president of March for Life, Jeannie Mancini. Jeannie, thanks for joining me. How was the energy at the march on Monday? I know you all have organized statewide marches out on the East Coast as well as here in California with more still to come this year. That's absolutely right. It was incredible, Prudence. I mean, the, there were so many people. Last year was a huge success in Pennsylvania as well, but even more this year. And I would say similar to the National March, there were primarily young people, you know, some school students that were there, of course, leading our march with the banner. Um, lots of positivity, lots of hope. Uh, really creative signs, you know, a person's a person, no matter how small, quoting Dr. Seuss, et cetera. So it was a great day for life and just a beautiful day to rally the grassroots in Pennsylvania. 
And it's very important that you're in Pennsylvania because we have some important elections coming up there. I was really pleased to hear that Republican candidate for governor, Doug Mastriano, was in attendance. What does that signal to you, Jeannie? Well, of course, our event is uh, a C3 event, so it's really about educating. But I can tell you that the pro-life Pennsylvanians that I interacted with very much want to have a pro-life governor and a pro-life senator representing them. And um, they're very excited about those prospects. Well, that's exciting to hear. And talk to me about the extremism Pennsylvanians have been up against on the other side over the years when it comes to abortion. I mean, this is where Kermit Gosnell used to do abortions. He's now labeled as one of the most notorious serial killers in the country. It's true, Prudence. And uh, sadly, uh, one of the candidates for senator um, voted against uh, abortion clinic health regulations at, at one point. So it, it really sad. I'm sorry, a, a gubernatorial candidate, not senator candidate. Um, but listen, the, the reality is that the majority of Americans and the majority of pro-life people and non-pro-life people in Pennsylvania would limit abortion more than it's limited. So they are not favorable towards late-term abortion particularly. And we at the March for Life are working for that day when abortion is unthinkable, and we work to defend and protect all the unborn and their mothers. But even in Pennsylvania, they do well to be able to enact you know, policies that would at the very least protect against late-term abortions. And that would be favorable with the majority of Pennsylvanians and both the senator and gubernatorial candidate in Pennsylvania on the other side are not for any limitations, any pro-life limitations. They would be for abortion until birth paid for by tax dollars. Good to know. And how do you think this issue is going to impact the election in Pennsylvania and what the state legislature can do in the future? You know, is there a chance that people in the state might soon have even more power to protect babies? Well, what I've seen across the board is that when we can bring people together in an event like Monday's event on the state capitol, that it has tremendous capability to bear fruit, whether that's in legislation or in changing hearts and minds. We've seen it um, even with smaller crowds gathering in California. Uh, so I absolutely do believe that there is great power in bringing together everyone to rally, to pray, to fast, um, to protect the unborn and their mothers. And so how that all plays out exactly over the next few weeks, I can't say for sure, um, but I think that we'll see a lot of positive fruits from Monday's March. One fun fact is that the day after there was a pro-abortion march um, by Planned Parenthood and ACLU, and they couldn't even get out 100 people, and we had over 5,000 on the state capitol steps in Harrisburg on Monday. Well, that just goes to show where public opinion is. Thank you so much for being out there and doing the work that you're doing. Jeannie Mancini of March for Life, we're praying for you. Thanks so much, Prudence. Thanks for covering this. Coming up, we take a look at how the governor in California is capitalizing on abortion. I speak out. Plus, the director of Life Center of Santa Ana shares how the Pro-Life Pregnancy Center in Orange County has helped mothers in need and how they work to promote a culture of life. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. 
Government leaders in California, led by Governor Gavin Newsom, have become the top abortion importers in the U.S. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Sunny California has always been a destination for explorers, travelers, and vacationers alike. Who knew it would also become a destination for abortion? The devastating reality is that post-Roe California is even worse than it was before. Now that every state has the power to legislate on abortion, pro-abortion governor Gavin Newsom is capitalizing on an opportunity to herd the abortion cash cows into his California pasture. He's putting up pro-abortion billboards in other states to lure people in. And the state of California even created a website to showcase all of the ways you can end the life of your baby in the Golden State. One section of the site specifically targets underage girls. They want to carry out invasive, fatal surgeries on girls who aren't even old enough to rent the car they would need to get there. This state is home to the City of Angels and the City of St. Francis, but are the saints smiling down on them now? The California abortion regime must be stopped, and that's why it's vital that federal legislation be enacted to save babies in addition to state-level protections. It was Justice Samuel Alito who said that protecting life is deeply rooted in our nation's history and tradition. Let's not forget that. Here in California, it can sometimes look grim for us in the pro-life movement, but people like this next guest we'll hear from give us so much hope. Megan Morris is the director of the Life Center of Santa Ana, a group that has been supporting mothers and fathers facing unplanned pregnancies since 1977, just a few years after the Roe v. Wade decision. What started as a simple hotline for women with a positive pregnancy test has now become a robust resource center for new families. Since their founding, the Life Center of Santa Ana has served over 58,000 clients, as well as counseled over 46,000 people over the phone. The Life Center has a 92% success rate of helping moms choose life over death for their babies. Megan Morris, director and client advocate at the Life Center of Santa Ana, joins me now. Megan, thank you so much for being here. I want to start by asking you how you got involved in the Life Center and how you came to be its director and some of the services that you guys provide for women. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, it's amazing how God works. His hand is over everything. So I started as a volunteer a few years ago. They had a little turnover and opportunity for someone else to come in and lead. And the founders invited me to do that. And it's been such a privilege to walk that walk. Um, the services that we provide, free pregnancy testing, free ultrasounds, right at our neighboring provider. So we walk our moms over for their ultrasounds. Mm -hmm. And that begins that relationship, which is really what we're all about at the Life Center. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And talk to me about how you coordinate with the Diocese of Orange and parishes in the community to really meet the needs of moms and dads and, and new babies. In February of 2020, the USCCB released this initiative, Walking with Moms. Mm. So we wanted to go beyond the material goods that we provide for our moms. And in that, we decided, you know what, we need to mentor. And mentoring is really listening with the ears of Christ on your heart and inviting our mothers and our fathers into a relationship. In that relationship, our hope is that we're going to bridge the gap from the Life Center families and our parishes in the diocese inviting everyone home to Christ, his church, and this community of support. Mm. The very things that our mothers and fathers need the most, emotional support, hope, faith, uh, God in their lives, are the very things that they have turned away from for one reason or another, 
maybe we had something to do with that, giving a, a teen mom a funny look at church, or maybe that teen's mother or father told them you can never go to church again. Um, so that really spoke to us, this initiative, and we responded, the Life Center team, by saying we need to do something different. How can we build the kingdom of God? Mm. And so this is what we're so passionate about, providing that hope in the events that we host at the Life Center. So through our first Thursday luncheons, through our Mommy and Me class, um, through our Walking with Dads program that meets monthly at the center, these are all opportunities to plant seeds of our faith and share the good news of hope and Christ in that. Mm, you guys are doing so much actively, and I love to hear that. You know, talk to me about how with Roe versus Wade being overturned, centers like yours are facing new challenges and new adversity. You know, I'm sure you've seen that across the country, centers like this have been attacked and called fake clinics. How have you guys responded to all of this? Well, um, through prayer, we have to pray our way through that. And through relationships, again, more than ever, we need the support of our churches helping us. We can't help our mothers and fathers without the help of our parishes. So that's where that invitation becomes something even deeper. So our parishes feel a personal collect connection to our moms and dads through that mentoring relationship, perhaps, or, you know, we have one mentor who goes to the DMV to get a test booklet for her, her mentee, because she doesn't know how to drive. Mm. We have another mentor who is looking at um, getting her mentee back home to Illinois. How is she going to do that? She's probably going to buy those flights for her herself. So really, you know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, here we, pro-life, pro-Catholic, have said, we want to do everything we can to help you. We will help you because that's been the number one argument on the sidewalk. Right. What are you going to do for me? So here is the challenge. We're looking at we need to do, and we can't do that as one pregnancy center or any pregnancy center. But through those re relationships, the financial support, even a meal team at every parish, being able to provide a meal after a mom has given birth, um, a happy birthday package to that baby. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's through that relationship that we're going to get them back um, and give them that hope and that ongoing support. Right. Right. And here in California, that is more important than in other states, you could argue, because of how hostile the laws are. You know, there's an amendment on the ballot that could enshrine a right to abortion in your state's constitution. What do you think about that? It's sick. It's really sick um, to think about how our governor is tapping into that as kind of a tourism aspect, you know. Um, it changes. It's a game changer. It doesn't change the work that we're doing, but we need to work harder. And that's what it is. You know, uh, there's so much to celebrate when a mom turns around at an abortion clinic, right? right. Yes. But our, our invitation is who's keeping in touch with her? Right? That's where our team is regularly texting, calling, inviting into the center. Come back. We're having this. We need you here. Because we have a full nine months here in California where she can choose to abort that baby. Mm. So we're not celebrating. And then baby's born. Well, we want everybody home to the kingdom of God, right? So yeah. that celebration is not going to happen until everyone is believing and trusting and hoping in that eternal salvation. Mm. So that's so important. It goes beyond the sidewalk. And again, without the parishes, we, we can't do that. So the Walking with Moms initiative has been a powerful game changer 
at the Life Center. Well, and you all give us so much hope. Thank you for setting a great example of how centers should be reacting right now. Megan Morris of the Life Center of Santa Ana, thanks Thank for joining us. Thank you so us. much. God bless you. God bless you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing Pro-Life Weekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.